Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Well, hello, everybody out there. Once again, may I welcome you to what is going to be a great show. I guarantee it. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available, eight volumes, at Amazon in paperback and ebook, and volumes one through seven at Audible for you audiophiles, Amazon and iTunes as well. And I'm pumping my new book, How to Make Money, God's Universal Laws for Wealth and Prosperity. I highly recommend that book if you'd like to wonder why things may not be going your way. And now, without any further ado, may I introduce my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Fantastic, fantastic. You know, uh, the support coming in via email uh, through our webpage link, uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com is unbelievable. Yeah, uh, some great input from uh, the listeners. It's fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I was on the phone this morning with a fella. Uh, I'm just going to call him Steve. Uh, he uh, sent us some photographs, Kev, which we'll spend some time on maybe over the next week or two or three of some yep. uh, tree structures outstanding and the stories behind them are really quite interesting. And Very then this cool. this afternoon just a, an hour before that we're doing this podcast I was on the phone with a fellow out in Iowa that visited some axe murder house, spent the night in there and uh, endured some strange poltergeist activity. I, I don't know why anybody would want to spend a night in an axe murder house. I was going to say, sorry, I didn't. I already booked my <laughs> summer vacation. Otherwise, I'd ask you for the contact info. <laughs> That's all I got to do is tell the bride, where are we going? Oh, we're going to go stay in an axe murder house. Yeah. With no lights and no facilities, honey. She can put up with me talking to everybody about cryptids and other oddities, but I don't know if she'll stay in an axe murder house. You know, uh, when he started talking about this place, uh, he immediately came out of the gate. Because when people call me, you have to understand, folks, and I do encourage you to contact me. Uh, but many times I, I ask people to call me and they call randomly during the week at odd times. Uh, I can't always talk when they call, but we get together. And uh, 
I always ask people, uh, so why is it I asked you to call me, refresh my memory? Because it's impossible for me to know uh, when Kevin from North Carolina calls me uh, what he had contacted me. That's just too many people. By the way, I was going to say, folks, he doesn't remember why I'm calling him either. <laughs> That's the Kevin from North Carolina. <laughs> hey, do I know you? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what he came out of the gate. Uh, beginning with the story of a house where seven people were killed by an axe murderer. And, you know, the first thing that came to my mind, Kev, was I had uh, either read or been looking into uh, many years ago a story of multiple murders carried out around the country, uh, people who had no apparent connection uh, to the murderer or no reason to be murdered, who were all killed by axe. Mm. And uh, the long and short of it was this, I think these were all like in the early 1900s, which is when this man said it occurred, 1912 to be exact. It was mm. believed by some that the individual who was doing this was taking advantage of the railroad. In other words... Oh, and getting around the country. That's right. And they were dispersed yeah. all over the place and all of the homes where the people were killed were located near a rail station. Mm. So the the notion uh, came across that perhaps this individual was either a transient, a worker for the railroad, or somebody that was just taking advantage of the railroad to carry out their nefarious deeds. Mm. Pretty creepy, huh? Very creepy. Now, this serial killer menace has been with us as long as man's been on the planet. I'm convinced of that. Oh, no doubt about it. So, you know, uh, it's also a source of the pure evil. Um, you know, it's interesting. You were talking about the axe murderers back in the early 1900s, and I couldn't help but think of uh, the old Lizzie Borden, right? Yeah. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax, or however it really goes. But that was back in the early, in the late 1800s, early 1900s as well. Right. And that was... Uh, I don't know. I don't think she rode the train. Yeah, no, no. She was uh, obviously <laughs> uh, had a problem, to say the least. But uh, anyway, I so... I mean, come on, Lizzie, you could just eat your vegetables like the rest <laughs> of us. <laughs> what a freaking... I mean, these people, man, you, you just got to watch your butt. Because uh, no you it. never know who's out there, and it could be a Bigfoot. Mm. <laughs> Bigfoot wouldn't use an axe, though. He'd just grab you and rip your head off. I mean, unless you had an axe in your hand and you threatened him with it. Right. Then he'd take it from you and use it on you. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Again, nothing to do with riding the railroad, <laughs> as far as we know. Unbelievable. So what do you got, brother, in our cryptids and other oddities? Yeah, we got, yeah, we got two, uh, two stories this week um, that I want to cover. One just happened this week, but it's short and sweet, and it's, on the, it's in the fun category of cryptids and other oddities. So the headline came out on CBS 4 News in Colorado this week on uh, 
June 7th, so not that long ago. Okay. And the headline is Bigfoot Sightings Possible Along Interstate 70 in Colorado on Monday. Did you see this at all, Bill? I didn't. No, I didn't. So I was like, oh, what is this all about? (laughs) And it's pretty funny. So, And I'm going to put these pictures up on BigfootTurnInTheWoods.com next to this episode, episode 103, 103. But basically, this studio in Ohio manufactured a 7-foot, 3-inch mechanical Sasquatch and a small baby Sasquatch. The name of the place is called Unit 70 Studios in Columbus, Ohio. Uh-huh. And the owner of a place called the Sasquatch Outpost in Bailey, Colorado, went out there to pick them up, right? And and they are super cool looking, Bill. I mean, they really do look like what you might think a Sasquatch would look like if you ran into it. Can, can, so, can you hear me? By yeah. the way, I did see this. Oh, you did? Yeah, okay. but when you mentioned uh, the interstate, I was like, no, I didn't see anything. But I, I, I did see this, and you are absolutely yeah. right. They are very cool-looking. Are, are they animatronic? I th- animatronic in some way. It says that they're uh, mechanized. So okay. I didn't see any video of them moving, but okay. they look super cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so go ahead, you go saw ahead. you saw how they're moving it, though, right? So they pick it up in Ohio <laughs> with a pickup truck, and then they got a little flatbed trailer or a big flatbed trailer behind the pickup, and then they have this giant vertical crate made out of like three quarter inch plywood with windows cut in it with bars on the windows, <laughs> and then those yeah those big yellow utility straps yeah. strapping it down to the trailer. Yeah. And on the sides, in big red stenciled letters, it says, warning, exclamation point, Sasquatch, look inside, <laughs> warning, Sasquatch. And it's got these bars on the windows. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, it's just fantastic. Yeah. What a gimmick. Oh, it's just awesome, though. So, uh, and there's one woman in the story who's in the rest, working in a restaurant, like at a diner, yeah. and they pull in, and she sees this whole thing, and she's like, "I've been working here forever, and I was just <laughs> waiting at one for one day to have a super interesting day." And she said, "Meeting them was the most interesting day of her ten years working there." <laughs> now, uh, now, what was the purpose? I didn't get into I, the, what I read and saw. Uh, didn't get into uh, detail about was their purpose just to advertise what they were doing, or what were they trying to do? By oh, it was just a goof. I think it was half goof and half advertised. So they do have. Um, the URL for their place called SasquatchOutpost.com. But for some reason, when I was preparing for the story, I couldn't get to their website. Maybe it was down. Maybe it was hacked by Russian ransomware people. (laughs) 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 And they had to give away the juvenile Bigfoot as ransom or something. (laughs) uh, So I think it was they did have to move it, right? What are you going to do? How are you going to get it from Ohio to uh, uh, Colorado, you got to throw it on a trailer, right. and uh, then I think I give them high marks for creativity. Like yeah. I wish I saw the thing, right? I would have yeah. been coming up next to him, blowing the horn. You know, come on, pull over! I got to see this thing. <laughs> of course, of course, with a sidearm. 
Yeah. <laughs> Animatronic or not, you're going down. Hey, I don't know what's in there. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, yeah. three quarter inch plywood. It's not that strong. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was a great idea for like publicity. Uh, because can you imagine how many heads must have turned uh, oh, seeing yeah. the crate and then reading what was stenciled on it? Uh, no doubt about it. There's probably. And I mean, it's on. It's on my visit to visit place called the Sasquatch Outpost in Bailey, B A I L E Y, and uh, I think it, I mean it's it's awesome. I can't yeah. wait to get out there sometime. Now, so this this was built in one location by some guys to bring to this Sasquatch uh, place for display. Yeah, I think they were, I mean, my take is the guys in Ohio, Unit 70 Studios, were contracted right. by the Sasquatch Outpost to build these things. Uh-huh. And Sasquatch Outpost <laughs> went and got them, is my take. Oh, oh, so Sasquatch Chron- uh, Sasquatch Chronicles. Hello, Wes. Uh, the Sasquatch, not West, not West. <laughs> Sasquatch Outpost went yes. with the crate to pick up the goods. Exactly. Oh, wow, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, because their pickup <laughs> truck, I'm looking at the picture of their pickup truck hooked to it, and it also says Sasquatch Outpost on the pickup. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, kudos okay. to them, because that is a fantastic uh, stunt at the very least, you know, and I wish I would have seen it. I'm like you, Kev, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the likeness of these creatures, Bill, is fantastic, isn't yeah. it? Like, they're yeah. completely V-shaped the the brownish reddish uh, hair um, shoulders look like they're four feet wide on yeah. the adult one yeah and just supersized you know like even if you stood next to a huge football player this thing would be much much bigger yeah and you know which is uh, what all the it, accounts say right uh, the the best thing I like about these including the giant one that uh, Doctor Meldrum has uh, when you look at them. It really brings your mind's eye into what we're dealing with here and why these people say, ah, it had to weigh 2,000 pounds, you know, because it is so mammoth. Exactly. It's just so menacing and huge that you, you don't even know. Uh, you can't draw on anything in your mind in the moment to to measure it, to speak about it. It's like, it's, it's like surreal. Uh, I mean, I'm even like, no, that's the, pr- I think that's the practical aspect of seeing one of these models, you yeah. know, or whatever you want to call it, uh, artistic creations. Cause you look at it and you're like, that thing's got to weigh a thousand pounds, you know, yeah. just by the size of it. Like you could see, what it must be like, or you can envision what it must be like if you saw this thing in real life. You'd be right. like, oh, my goodness, the thing is so thick and wide and V-shaped and no neck and just gigantic. Yeah, well, you know, I've had a number of people through the years uh, that say it was looking like looking at a barn door. Now, you know, around here, Kev, I haven't seen too many barn doors, but I have I seen say, some. you got a lot of barn doors in your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And, man, when you, I've never seen a small-looking barn door. No. You know, so they're kind of drawing. you got to get horses. you got to get horses and cows through them, typically, and that's that's pretty big. Right. Or even back a pickup truck into it to, 
you know, take something off of it or, you know, sure. whatever. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, great, great, great stuff, man. So. Yeah, so that's super cool. So I definitely want to go see this museum when I'm out in Colorado, which is a place I get to frequent uh, pretty regularly. So, uh, folks, if you're listening, you will see me out there. <laughs> All right. And our next story is an account, Bill, that I came across in north central Ohio, Mm -hmm. which is a bit of a hotbed, right? Oh, yeah. And it was published in a paper, a publication called the Richland Source. So Richland, Ohio. Okay. And um, this this uh, came out uh, in on May 20th of this year. So not that long ago. No. And the headline, yeah, and the headline is Bigfoot with a question mark. Woman reports Sasquatch encounter outside a gym in Ashland, Ohio. Huh. Yeah. Jeez, maybe he was coming there to work out. Hey, you know, that you don't get that big by accident. He's not sitting on the couch. <laughs> get off <laughs> the bench. some iron. I think you've done enough sets. My turn. Lay down, I'll pick you up. Yeah, I pick things up and I put things down. Yes, let me do some human curls with you. Oh, my goodness. All right, so let's hear it. So listen to this. So this, this woman, 20 years old, walked out of the warehouse 24 uh, warehouse 24-hour gym around midnight after completing her workout. She turned to the right and headed to her car in a well-lit parking lot. There were no other vehicles in that lot on the side of the building, um, and that place, they say, was opened in 2018, for what that's worth. Uh-huh. But she was reportedly not alone on this cool, clear spring night. Wow. She heard a twig snap. She looked and saw a creature, seven or eight feet tall, covered in gray fur, racing back into the woods about 30 yards away. Wow, racing away from her. Yes. Wow. So like she startled it when she came out of the gym. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Which is reasonable at midnight, and uh, it said that her car was the only one out there. Yeah, and it also shows that these things don't necessarily want anything to do with you. Uh, and again, you know, my opinion being it depends which one you meet. Well, true. You know, We've so this that. this yeah. one hightailed it out of there when he saw her coming. Yep, absolutely. And uh, she said it was far too large, likely several hundred pounds. Again, these estimates, right, Bill? Like right. she said, it was... Uh, uh, gigantic, you know, several hundred pounds for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it moved too quickly to be a man, she said. Wow. So again, that stride and speed comes into play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I was just, uh, you know, I'm going through some of the accounts over and over again in volume nine, uh, which hopefully I'll be releasing soon. And uh, one of the guys in there described when he saw this thing running uh, after some elk, by the way, he described it as like that of an Olympic hurdler. 
It had it had the appearance of like thirty or forty mile an hour speed, and he said it looked more like it was gliding than running. That it was wow. all off the ground so much during the pursuit. Wow, that's pretty bizarre, you know. Very bizarre. Yeah. So uh, you know, she was shaken. <clears throat> excuse me, and in tears. After seeing it, and she called her parents from a nearby restaurant and asked them to come and drive her home. Wow. Amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, she must have ran back inside after that and said, I'm not even going to, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. Yeah. See this giant gray furry creature hoofing it off into the woods at midnight. Good grief. Talk about fumbling for your keys in the door. Yeah, I bet if she tried to take some video of it, she would have been shaking, too. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, everybody's steady. Hey, I'm just saying. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody's rock steady in the heat of the moment. But pretty pretty awesome little sighting, right, Bill? And it's in north-central Ohio, which is definitely a bit of a hotbed. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going around out there, and I encourage all the listeners to... Uh, contact us. You know, you don't have to be afraid of us. Uh, and uh, we relish the contact uh, via our link, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. And uh, if you've seen something, say something. I don't care where you are, who you are, if you want to be known, if you don't want to be known, but it is in the sharing of the information uh, that the story and the investigation continues, whatever it is oh, you've yeah. seen. Yeah. And everybody wants to hear these accounts. You know, like if you're there in Ashland, Ohio, you want to know that somebody saw the hairy man outside this gym. Yeah. Well, we had that guy you know. a couple of weeks ago, Kev, right? That wrote in after he uh, heard the Turner Falls account. Exactly. And yeah. said in that Oklahoma. he, yeah, he goes there regularly or something like that. Yeah. So I've had numerous people, uh, and you know, Kev, reading the emails that have said, you know, I go to that place. I was there at that lake. Uh, I live, you know, my house is, you know, uh, two miles away from that location, you know. Uh, And that's the way it is, you know. Yeah, by the way, folks, you know, just uh, looking out for my own tale here, I'm going up to... uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine. I'm going to be doing a lot of hiking outside, sleeping outside in about a month, a few weeks. So if you know of any creatures up there that you've seen lately, please tell me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, Kev? Definitely bring some uh, plaster in case you find some uh, anything worthy of casting. I thought you were going to tell me to bring extra 5.56 and 9mm. Well, you better have that anyway. (laughs) If I have to tell you that, you know, I I don't know what to say. (laughs) Yeah, I got to. I'll bring some some plaster too. Yeah, I got a feeling you're going to run across something. (laughs) I just just have a hunch. All right, I'm going to have to go to the range Monday night. Uh, You know, you got all these, like, human uh, template targets. Uh, They know me at the range because I'm like, you got any Bigfoot targets there? (laughs) How about a hairy man? You got a hairy man? 
How about something that fights back? <laughs> Can you make the target speed towards me and growl? <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. They're like, ah, oh, that KJ is here again. Yeah, yeah, we got to put up with him. <laughs> you know, really, I don't, uh, Kev, I just don't think that people have any concept of what a close encounter with a Bigfoot may be like when they go out there marching around looking for these things. No. no. And uh, the realist in me uh, tells me, you know, like I've said before, uh, you know, if this thing turns on you, uh, your ass is grass and he's the lawnmower. So <laughs> I mean, I know. would I would like to see one, but I'd prefer to see one if I was in my truck. Yeah, and it was like you know a couple of hundred feet away, walking across the road or something like that. Yeah, well, you know that would be my best you know sighting of it. But I, I coming down coming around a turn on a trail, you know, five miles away from anyone else, and seeing the hairy man in front of you that's eight feet tall and weighs a thousand pounds. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I have an account in Volume 9 of a uh, policeman uh, whose beat in the year 2000 was up in Washington State. Mm. Uh, and he had said, of course, like I, I'm telling you something you don't know, uh, he, he was riding down a lot of really dark and unlit roads, uh, even going from location to location or looking for stranded travelers, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, he had this Bigfoot. He didn't know it was a Bigfoot initially. He saw something stepping out ahead of him as he was cruising through this woods. He started to break through his high beams on and realized immediately he was looking at the side profile of a giant Sasquatch. Mm. He put the brakes on completely, now standing off with the creature with the high beams on. He's alone in the car. And he said the creature never looked at him. It never turned to give him a face shot, but rather stood profile and then walked across the street into the woods. And, uh, you know, when you you guys have a chance to pick up Volume 9 when it comes out, you can read the whole Megillah. But he said that uh, it changed his life in such a way that he wished it never happened. And a lot of people have said that. Uh, yeah. What what you think is cool may turn around on you because he said it it kind of loused him up that he's not comfortable doing a lot of the little leisurely things that he used to do. Sure. sure. Uh, so he saw I mean, it's this. Not unlike, it's not unlike if you're, uh, you know, into surfing or spending a lot of time in the ocean like me. And then, you know, if somebody next to you gets attacked by a big shark or something, that would scare the bejesus out of you. Yeah, I don't, yeah. You know, not just that. Yeah, because you know, you know uh, what's lurking in there or hidden. Yeah, well, it's their environment. Right. Same what thing. What if? What if? Yeah. Wow, that's freaking some crazy so stuff. So we had man. the entertaining with the Bigfoot in a crate and the creepy with the Bigfoot outside of the Ashland, Ohio gym mm. fitness facility. Wow, I mean, it just shows you. I don't know what Ashland, Ohio is like, the layout of the land. 
Uh, but there's got to be some forest and woods and whatnot around there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I never heard of it. And, in fact, when I first read it, I thought that they were talking about Ashland, Oregon, which I've been to mm-hmm. uh, multiple times. So I thought it was Ashland, Oregon. And then I had to read it carefully, and I was like, oh, Ashland, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And Oregon. Pff, let me say that again. Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Just to annoy you know, some of our listeners. <laughs> you know how I like to scooch people when I say oh, Oregon. Yeah. Nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> well, let me say this, brother. I have an interesting uh, sighting uh, slash encounter here brought to me by a fellow named Doug Gould, a resident of the state of Illinois. And this is what Doug had to share. In 1979, I received a full scholarship to attend university in West Virginia. At that time in my life, I hadn't even ventured past the borders of Illinois. I was chomping at the bit to taste a little freedom, so I eagerly went to West Virginia for my studies. In my second year, I requested a change in dorm room with a new student who I was sharing my room with, not exactly being the studious type, if you understand where I'm coming from. I was granted my request to move into another dorm with a fellow who'd been staying in a room alone up until that point in time, and it was a match made in heaven. Both of us were very studious, committed to our schedules and studies, and over the course of several months, a bond was formed between us. His name was Charlie Grant, and he was the first of a family of coal miners to attend college. He was working towards a degree in education in the hope of becoming a teacher. As it turns out, Charlie had a fairly good-sized family, all of whom lived within a 100-mile radius of the campus. And it became a regular happening for me to tag along with Charlie when making brief weekend visits to his extended family. It was the third weekend in September of 1979 when Charlie and I went to visit his uncle Hank, who lived outside of a town called Ridgefield. Uncle Hank was a retired coal miner who was, unfortunately, suffering from what is commonly known as black lung, and wasn't expected to be with us much longer. He was a great guy, nonetheless, and could really spin some incredible yawns when it came to storytelling, and we were all ears. At any rate, on this particular weekend, he told us that a lot of the good old boys were bagging quite a few crows down by the cornfields this time of year, And he asked me if I'd ever done any shooting. Truth be told, I hadn't, but I didn't want to let on, so I said I had done a little, and off we went. Hank grabbed a couple of shotguns out of a closet with a few boxes of shells, and the three of us packed into the front seat of his Ford pickup. I was the lucky one stuck with the shifter between my legs. We made it over to the place to a place called Ridgefield where Hank parked a truck adjacent to a field of standing corn. He handed us the guns and pointed in the direction that we should go, 
And that's when I realized that he wasn't going with us. He said that my lungs are much too weak to walk with you guys, but don't worry about me. I'm happy just to wait here for a few hours while you guys go out and have some fun. Charlie gave me a wink and the two of us began to walk away. We were flanking a field of corn that was standing some seven to eight feet tall besides us. And as we walked, we could hear the crows in the field cawing. As of yet, we'd seen none of them. We must have walked for a mile or more, and there was still no sign of crows overhead nor a visible end to the corn on our left. We were approaching a hillside on our right when Charlie suggested that we walk up on the side so we could possibly see from a high point where the best place would be for us to shoot some of these buggers. We sat on the hillside, perched about a 100 feet above the cornfield, where we could see crows hopping and flying in and around the standing corn. They were pecking at the ears that were still left on the stalks. Unfortunately, there weren't any newcomers entering the field, and none of the crows that were in there were leaving, in particular in our direction. This field was enormous, and neither of us were too keen on walking around to the other side where there seemed to be some action. So we sat and waited. About an hour into our waiting, we began to see a flurry of activity in the corn at a distance of about 400 yards away from us. There was a lot of cawing going on with crows taking to the air and dive-bombing something in the field but we had seen nothing of whatever it was that they were diving on. Charlie had suggested that perhaps a bobcat or some critter was walking through the field that the crows weren't too happy about, and so they were trying their best to scare it off. Up until Charlie saying this, we hadn't seen anything. The corn stalks weren't moving, and the only activity was that of the crows, who were in a complete and utter frenzy over whatever was there. It was then that what I will describe as a large furry figure stood up within the corn and was head and shoulders above it. And I do mean head and shoulders, because that is exactly what we were looking at. A large head sitting on a pair of enormous shoulders now making its way through the cornstalks, with the crows giving chase. This thing, which we both knew was a Bigfoot, was walking through the corn, occasionally swatting at a diving crow, which it seemed that we could, which we could tell it was really annoyed by. Where it had come from was an unknown to us. We had been looking rather intently at the very area where we saw it standing, and it wasn't there just moments before us seeing it, which left us wondering. Was it sleeping on the ground within the stalks? Or perhaps it had crawled in, and if so, why? What we did know was that we were watching it, and it was an enormous animal, to say the least. We watched it walking through the stalks for probably over a quarter of a mile. 
It occasionally stopped and appeared to sample the corn before continuing to walk. There were a couple of moments where either the ground sloped downward or the corn was substantially taller, where the beast momentarily disappeared from our view, only to once again reappear moments later as it continued to walk. We watched it for some 10 minutes until it had apparently exited the field and was gone from sight. When we first saw it at a distance of some 400 yards or so, we estimated the creature's height at being 9 feet or better. This based on the height of the corn when we were walking next to it. I would estimate its shoulder width at being 4 to 5 feet and its head and shoulders seemed to be one contiguous unit. In other words, there was no visible neck. When we made it back to the truck to face Uncle Hank, having not so much as fired a single round, we told him what we had seen. He shook his head and said quietly, You fellas saw the hairy man. He couldn't believe it, and quite frankly, neither could we, despite seeing it with our own two eyes. He said that these critters had been reported here since white men had settled the area. Some of the old-time miners had spoken of them messing with equipment and the like, but he had never seen one for himself. Even though we hadn't gotten any crows that day, what we did get, was a memory to last a lifetime. The good old hairy man. Yes, sir. The hairy oh. man in, in West Virginia. I'm telling you, man, <clears throat> when you least expect it. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, of all the things I would have guessed with the crows circling the cornfield like that, I wouldn't have guessed hairy man. Yeah, and interesting, too, how it apparently stood up from either a seated position, kneeling or laying down, or and then it was visible, whereas it wasn't initially, but the birds knew it was there. Oh, yeah. Well, they got that aerial view. Yep. So, uh, kind of cool. awesome. Yeah, kind of cool, you know. And I see, like, the blue jays on my own property, Kev, you know, when there's a cat walking around. Mm. If those blue jays are around... They're the guys who start squawking and squawking and doing the aerial reconnaissance above the cat until they can get it out of the property. Oh, yeah. Yeah, crows too. I mean, maybe not by you, but crows are like that. And then it's like I always hear every morning I hear the hawks. Like we got a bunch of red-tailed hawks, and you hear them screeching like they talk to one another when the other birds are coming after them after they raid a nest or whatever. Yeah, you think they're calling they're, them in for reinforcements? I think they're calling in an airstrike, if you know what I mean. <laughs> a little backup. Hey, I'm puffing red smoke. Bring it in. <laughs> Unbelievable. Lay but some napalm on us. <laughs> it, Nothing it's like amazing. a little napalm. You know, it's amazing that the old timer says... That uh, some of the men in the mines uh, told tales of these things messing with them. Oh, so yeah. you know, well, I, 
they were all rural, mostly rural folks, right, working in the mines back then. Yo, and of course where the mines were located. Exactly, exactly. Uh, You know, some of them old mines, they were just drilling into the sides of mountains. Oh, yeah. uh, Up there in uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, you know, a lot of these places. You can still see the evidence of it when you're up there. You know, by the way, they're still doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah, so uh, there's no doubt that uh, we were interlopers on their turf. Sure. And uh, they probably weren't too happy about the noise and just human uh, uh, humans being there, you know? 100%, yeah. Again, let's fall back to the fact that, man, if you get these guys PO'd, look out, man. Because, They're coming uh, for you. Yeah, I don't think you want to get a Bigfoot creature too aggravated. <laughs> uh, it's just an opinion, you know? Not certain about it. I mean, we haven't done an experiment, but it seems yeah. like the data indicates that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Cool. Definitely not something I want to be on the other side of. Uh, but, you know, how about the cornfield, you know? Walking through the cornfield and it said it was head and shoulders above the corn because that's exactly what we were looking at. Yeah, and corn, you know, of course, depending on the time of the year, is pretty darn tall. I mean, I'm six foot two. It's way over my head. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a standing field of corn is really, uh, it's, it's you know, if you go into a real cornfield, uh, you could probably get lost in there pretty easily. Yeah. You know, a little different than the Halloween corn maze carved out, you know. Uh, I would imagine if you got deep enough into a field of corn and the clouds came to cover the sun, uh, you, <laughs> you might be wishing you didn't go in there. 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, so that's it, man. That's a crazy encounter in the cornfield in West Virginia. That is, that's an awesome encounter, Bill. Think of how scary that is. Like, if you were in the cornfield, like these guys were looking to shoot crows, so they're looking into the cornfield but picture you're walking through the cornfield right you can't see anything anyway you barely know which way you're going and then all of a sudden you see the hairy man in front of you like holy cow yeah or hear it yeah what a nightmare that is right yeah oh. or or smell it oh i can't imagine yeah, yeah. oh man cannot Look imagine out. All right, Bill. Well, we got some great listener mail. A couple of these uh, emails that came in, I was laughing out loud when I read them. So, folks, really appreciate any feedback from you out there. But some of you, like, were over and above the call of duty uh, this week. So I got got a few of those, Bill. We're going to start out. We're going to start out with one of my favorites. And it's no surprise that it comes from one of my favorite places in the world. Australia. Ah, an Aussie, this, eh? Yeah, that's from Oz. This comes right. in from Teresa and her son, Eli. All right. And she says, love the show. Listen every week without fail since I discovered it. The way you guys talk to each other flows like a normal everyday conversation, not forced or scripted. And I'll pause there. Believe me, folks, there's nothing about this that's scripted. (laughs) So back to the email. She says, my son Eli wanted me to tell you that the super creepy black-eyed children episode was his favorite. (laughs) And he says, 
The way Kevin spoke in that slow, deadpan voice yeah. really <laughs> creeped him out. <laughs> we just want to talk to you. We just want to talk to you. No reason to be alarmed. Can you open the door? Please? <laughs> Please? <laughs> and, then, and then they write, Bill said he'd be jacking those two little bastards. <laughs> well, that had us all laughing. When we go, <laughs> I told you, Bill, it's my favorite, I think. When we go into the bush, my kids always remind me to carry more gun than you think you're going to need. And she says, we live in Australia, and the only guns we own are Nerf guns, and we keep losing the bullets. <laughs> Which, by the way, Teresa and Eli, like, I got some serious automatic Nerf guns around here in the house, and I'm always losing those darts, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Eli. If I saw those little creeps in the camera, I'd tell them, hold on, I'll be right down. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. We're not going to hurt you. Just let us in. Yeah, don't worry. I'm going to hurt you. (laughs) So they talk about keep losing the Nerf bullets. So she writes, so if we ever see a yeah-wee, I think we would be close to breaking Usain Bolt's World record running away from it. <laughs> anyway, thanks for reading the letter from Eli and Teresa. Hey, Eli and Teresa, fantastic. I don't know, Bill. Maybe I, you might have to send them an autographed copy of a book, you know, like the one I don't have. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I hey, mean, you know what, though? Teresa you and Eli, what? I would say send me your address and I'd send you an autographed copy, but I don't have any. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, so you know what? In the middle of this mail segment, Kev, what yep. do you say we have a little giveaway? All right. All right, we haven't done one in a while. We haven't. Uh, and so what's the criteria going to be for this autograph book? What do you what do you say we should I request? I think the most creative, funny, and uh, reflective letter on one of our episodes. What you oh, liked okay. about it, what you thought was funny, and then make Bill and I laugh. Okay, and then we will we will read it. That particular email, we'll read it in our listener mail segment and announce that individual as the winner. Exactly. Okay. So it needs good entertainment value and it needs good evidence that, like, you're listening to us. Like, I mean, Teresa and Eli, when she said, when Bill (laughs) talked about jacking those two little (laughs) bastards, obviously they were listening because I'm like... All right, I believe Bill said that. (laughs) (laughs) And even if I didn't, make me believe that I did. I know, I'm going to give you full credit for it even if you didn't say it. (laughs) All right, so that's it. You heard Kevin's instructions. It's an autographed book contest. Uh, Do what Kevin said. Send us the emails. Uh, We'll share them and read them and... uh, uh, it's it's got to make us laugh. Yeah. All right. If you give so us that, a crappy one, don't be surprised if all of a sudden you get alerted by your ring doorbell and you see a couple <laughs> of kids out there saying, 
<laughs> we would just like to come in and use your telephone. Don't be worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand you have an autographed copy of W.J. Sheehan's book. We just we like just, to see it. We just want to touch it. <laughs> okay, Kim. So that's it. Contest underway. Awesome. Uh, what else we got? But thank you, Teresa and Eli. That's fantastic. All right. This one comes in from Ashley in Salt Lake City, Utah. And Ashley, you had me with the subject. Skinwalker. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Ashley writes, hey, guys, I live in Salt Lake City. I only started listening to your podcast a few months ago, and I very much enjoy listening to you, too. That's T-W-O. Uh-huh. I love the brotherly bond y'all have. See, y'all, that's for me, Bill. Y'all. All y'all would be all of you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Only recently, I've been quite obsessed with Bigfoot, and to be quite honest, my husband is annoyed by my babbling. But anyways, I'm writing to tell you about a skinwalker experience that I had 12 to 13 years ago when I lived in a small town outside of Farmington, New Mexico, in Aztec. And she writes, my cousin and I used to take late night drives over to a place called Aztec Ruins. She Mm -hmm. says, Google it. It's a pretty cool place that people come to see where people come to see what the early uh, Native Americans had built out of mud and ruins. Well, Mm -hmm. this night was a little different than usual as we had taken a friend with us over to the ruins to go smoke some greenery. Hmm. (laughs) While we were pulling in, I thought I saw something white off to the right of the car. We kept on driving in, and we parked, and then we decided to turn our our headlights off because Mm -hmm. we didn't want to be seen. We had been parked about 30 minutes or so, and I saw something pale white out of the corner of my eye. I hurried and yelled for my cousin to turn the headlights on. As soon as they turned them on, a white figure was standing in front of the car, maybe two feet away. Mm. It had luminescent skin that you could see right through. Its hair was long and white, and its eyes glowed red. Wow. I looked down for a second to grab my camera phone, and it was gone when I looked back up. Just vanished. My cousin said... He hadn't taken his eyes off it, and it materialized or dematerialized into thin air as if it was never there. To this day, I don't talk about it very often, uh, and and with just and not with just anyone. I know you have done an episode on them, so you probably won't post this, but I thought you might want to hear my experience. The event still haunts me, those glowing red eyes. Yeah. Oh, of uh, course you know, we'll post. Of course we'll post your mail. This is pretty cool. You saw a skinwalker. Yeah, I I spoke to her on the phone, Kev. Ah, cool. And she sounded uh, legit to me. And I'll tell you something. You know, when you see something like this, it changes you. Uh, it doesn't no matter if anybody believes you or not. It changes you personally and your no outlook on uh, a lot of different things. You know. Uh, everything no kind of gets fl- flipped around in a moment, you know. No doubt about it. 
By the way, have you been keeping track of the new episodes of uh, Skinwalker Ranch? I have been. Boy, that place is freaking... There is no doubt about it. What a creep fest that place is. Yeah, and I mean, it's just everything. Like It's like a salad of freaking supernatural happenings, you know? Yeah, I mean, the last episode I saw was when, I just can't think of his name, the rocket scientist dude from NASA... Um, what's his name, Bill? You you got it at the tip of your tongue? Uh, I, I I had it for you a know, second and yeah, I lost it. You know who it. I'm talking about. But he had to go in that metal silo to get away from the the frequencies that were making him sick, right? Like, right. holy cow. Yeah, he knew the silo would shield him. Yeah, if that and, was what was making him sick. And sure enough, he goes in there for like a minute and feels better. Right, right. You know, when he's an Alabama boy... And I'm sure he was working with the space industry down there around Huntsville. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have a big presence down there. Like, I don't know if it's NASA, but rocketry. Oh, yeah. That's that's where, uh, you know, the early rocketry guys from Germany, they were there in Huntsville. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're talking Redstone, Von Braun Redstone and them? Redstone Arsenal. Von Braun and those cats were... Uh, a lot of them were down there, and it's still a hotbed of uh, rocketry. Right. Well, they started something there and created a presence, and why leave? We're already here. Yeah. I mean, they have the coolest thing, folks. If you haven't been down there, I'll give Huntsville, Alabama a little plug. They got a Saturn V rocket, right? The monster that, that sent the astronauts to the moon multiple times, the Apollo rocket. They have two of them there. Uh, one is standing on its tail. And you can see it when you're driving into the city from outside, right? However many stories high this thing is. It's like a tall building. And then they have another one in the museum laying on its side. Wow. So you can walk around it, Bill. And this thing is unbelievable. And they have it separated by, like, stage. So you can see how it broke away. You know, maybe 10 feet between each stage laying on its side inside of this building. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. You know, I wonder, do you think they created that one just as a mock-up? Because oh, no, the origi- it's a real thing. So it's, it's so, one uh, of the, uh, what, you know, it's it's definitely a real rocket, you know, one that didn't get launched. Oh, so that's it. It, it was one yeah. that didn't go up. Right. Wow. That's freaking yeah, incredible. Super cool. <sighs> All righty. What else? By the way, we talk about brave folks with these Bigfoot encounters. Those folks that sat on the top of those uh, Apollo rockets, holy cow. Yeah, I can't imagine that, you know. You see how big it is, and then you see how small that uh, capsule was. Yeah. Not that the modern astronauts aren't as brave, by the way. Yeah. Either way, but back then, holy cow. It's experimental, you know, and anything experimental can go haywire. You got that right. Uh All right, Bill, our last letter comes in from Chad in Missouri. Hmm. Mm. Chad writes, greetings and salutations from Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, home (laughs) state of the Momo. That's right, folks, the Missouri monster. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorites. And uh, Chad writes, I just wanted to congratulate you both on 100-plus episodes. It is very cool to be here since episode one and hear the podcast grow in leaps and bounds. 
I especially like listening to the listener mail from other countries and learning their folklore. Absolutely fantastic. And now, Bill, we get to the Q&A section of Chad's email. (laughs) He says, Mr. WJ, a question. What was the encounter you first heard that made you go, oh, wow, I got to document this, and thus Uh, writing volume one? Yeah, well, that's pretty easy. That was the uh, chapter one of volume one, which I called the Michigan Upper Peninsula Encounter. And, Kev, you know that was a hair-raising freak show with that pickup truck he called Littlefoot. uh, Oh, yeah. The truck getting destroyed, and it was multiple sightings, and the guy firing shots through the side of the tent. I mean, that oh, yeah. that that was freaking nuts, man. But uh, and, and a of course, of, a lot of creepy encounters up there in the Upper Peninsula. Everything from Dog Man to the Hairy Man. Yeah, you know what? I've I've been in touch with uh, different people up there through the years, uh, and these people uh, basically are saying, yeah. Yeah, that creature is up there. You know, my relatives, yeah. me. Uh, so these things are around up there, and not everything is like the encounter in Chapter 1, but uh, there, there's not a lot of people up there, and some of those people are seeing the Bigfoot. Well, it's Very. pretty crazy. Very cool. So good answer there for Chad. Now Chad asked me a question. Mr. KJ... When the subject of doing a podcast came about, how much convincing did WJ take to get you on board? And I'm like, hey, let me tell you, Chad, and everybody else, he's still trying to convince me every week to get on board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm on board, Chad. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. And then he, he goes on and he says, and with like 20 commas. Mr. World Traveler, we're all family here. You can tell us you're 007, Kevin, or whatever your real name is. <laughs> <laughs> so, ding, 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 ding. So, yeah, Chad, you know, if you do Google Kevin Sheehan, you will notice if your name is Sheehan, Kevin is most likely going to be your first name, so you'll never know. <laughs> but I have traveled oh, a lot of goodness. places, and I will continue to travel a lot of places. But uh, <laughs> awesome, awesome email. And Chad finishes up by saying, thank you, gentlemen, for your contribution to the Sasquatch community, and keep up the good work. And those great podcasts coming. And he says, good day, gentlemen, and may God shine his everlasting light on you and yours. Well, thank you, Chad. That's always a nice way to end. And folks out there, thank you so much for those five-star reviews. Keep them coming. It's virtually the only way that we attract new listeners to the podcast. And by having new listeners, we're able to stay on track, stay on schedule, uh, with weekly podcasts and continue to improve the quality of podcasts. So thank you very much. Yeah, that's awesome. And folks, remember, uh, when you buy books, whether audio, paperback, ebooks, you're helping to support what we do here. So don't be shy. Go out there, read them to the kids around the campfire, give them his gifts. 
uh, do what you can to help us out, and it's greatly appreciated. And remember, if you happen to be wandering around the Aztec ruins in New Mexico, it's advisable to always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.